Welcome to Club Core, an interdisciplinary podcast exploring science stories. I'm your host, Dr. Angel Core, an assistant professor of neuroscience at UNC Asheville. Each episode of this podcast is created by undergraduate students enrolled in one of my courses. So join us as we delve into a variety of topics with one simple goal, to get it less wrong. Back at it again are your hosts, Katie LeHue, Evan Brown, and Shelby Putnam. Welcome to the Cheeky Bastard's Guide to Science. Hello, everybody. Ever felt stressed? Ever wanted a natural cure to perk you right up that's not cocaine? Well, how about Valerian? Valerian? Isn't that the horrible space movie that just came out? Nope. Valerian is a plant common to Europe and West Asia that has been used for stress, sedation, and painful rectums since the ancient Greeks. In fact, it was so useful for a variety of ailments that it became known as cure-all in the medieval period. It's still an important subject of research nowadays as a potential natural anti-anxiety and antidepressant supplement. And we should care about a plant that cures painful rectums. Why? Because despite the current economic climate, it's not all about sore butts. Anxiety is the most common mental illness in America, affecting about 18.1% of people. That is literally millions of Americans, with only about a third of them getting treatment. Depression and stress are not that far behind. Depression can be just as crippling, affecting a person's ability to function in daily life. Depression also increases the risk of suicide, and in the United States, about 121 people succumb to suicidal thoughts every day. Stress alone can increase the risk of heart attack and decrease life expectancy. And those statistics are just for Americans. The rest of the world also falls victim to mental illness. So the ancients were onto something when they decided to use valerian to treat the most common ailments of their time. Okay, that's great, but if it's so old, why is it only coming up now? There's been a big push in modern science to examine old medicine to see if they were as good as the ancients claimed. We use the ancient and medieval texts as a source for new medicines instead of having to create them from scratch. Why work harder when someone else has already done the work for you? We're going back to old-ass, naturally-derived remedies, y'all. And with that in mind, let me tell you about some acid, baby. In today's Cheeky Bastards podcast, we'll be unpacking a rather short research article on valerian published in the Journal of Medicinal Food in 2015 by a research group based out of Seoul, South Korea. Valeric acid protects against physical and psychological stress by reducing the turnover of serotonin and norepinephrine in mouse hippocampus amygdala region. Try saying that three times fast. The researchers took valerian's main functioning molecule, valeric acid, and injected it into mice to see how well it lowered stress levels. So acid is the solution to all our problems? Not that kind of acid. First, they put the mice through periods of physical and psychological stress. They ran chemical tests to try and find the mechanism behind the lower stress produced by valeric acid. For being such a basic molecule, valeric acid sure can do a lot. It can do a lot because it is such a small molecule. Because it's only five carbons and fat-soluble, it can easily pass through the blood-brain barrier, which is a fancy term for the highly specialized membrane which, as its name would suggest, separates circulating blood from direct contact with the brain. Some other drugs that can easily pass through the blood-brain barrier include nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol. Picture a bouncer at a nightclub. The blood-brain barrier protects the brain from undesirables. 
Valeric acid blends in so well and is so small, it can easily get past the bouncer. Fun fact, valeric acid is special, as it doesn't seem to cause mental deterioration in the elderly, a side effect of some other sedatives. It may even help fight diseases such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, as valeric acid's simple structure is very similar to the brain's main inhibitory neurotransmitter, GABA. This is one reason why the researchers chose to test valerian. Okay, well that is kind of cool. But how does valeric acid work? Valeric acid works on two parts of the brain, the hippocampus and the amygdala. Humans have two hippocampi and amygdalae, one on each side of the brain. Both are part of the emotion center of the brain called the limbic system. These brain areas also modulate short and long-term memory, spatial memory, and decision-making. By acting on the emotional centers of the brain, valerian can reduce stress. The goal of this paper is to deduce the minimum effective dose of valeric acid for anti-anxiety properties and to analyze the turnover of serotonin and norepinephrine within the hippocampi and amygdalae. FYI, serotonin and norepinephrine are neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters are the brain's chemical messenger system. They are released from one neuron and are detected by the next, allowing the neurons to send different signals to one another. Once a neurotransmitter such as serotonin or norepinephrine is used, some of it is broken down into metabolites, a non-active form, for recycling by the cell. The more metabolites you have as compared to the amount of original neurotransmitter, the more serotonin and norepinephrine are being used. This is referred to as turnover. It's the ratio of neurotransmitter compared to metabolite. If everything is normal, the amount of metabolite will equal the amount of neurotransmitter synthesized to create a constant level of neurotransmitter. If there is an increase in the metabolite part of the ratio, then far more neurotransmitter is being produced, and we then know that the brain is sending more signals. This neurotransmitter to metabolite ratio is a great way to test how well valeric acid is doing its job. In layman's terms, valerian extract helps reduce stress by recycling specific brain chemical signals. I guess even our brains need to be energy efficient nowadays. Serotonin is derived from the amino acid tryptophan and is found primarily in the gastrointestinal tract as well as the central nervous system. It plays a large role in anti-anxiety, depression, stress, and sleep. Norepinephrine is also called noradrenaline. Norepinephrine's main function is to facilitate our fight or flight response and to mobilize the body for action. Now that we're familiar with our relevant brain juices, we can begin to understand how they were quantified within mice brains and what the results mean for the future use of valerian. Mice in this experiment underwent both behavioral and biochemical evaluations, as mentioned earlier. To measure behavioral stress, the mice went through a forced swim test. To track changes in serotonin and norepinephrine, they took samples of a mouse's spinal fluid called serum. They checked for corticosterone, the mouse equivalent of our stress hormone, cortisol. The more corticosterone in the serum, the more stressed the mouse. Dang, that's a harsh life for a little fluff ball. But why mice in the first place? Wouldn't human trials be more accurate and reliable? Because getting people to agree to anything is a pain. Also yes. However, mice brains make for excellent models for experimentation. Genetic variables are easily manipulated, and researchers can control nearly every facet of the experiment. Mice organs and organ systems are about the same as humans, and we share roughly 99% of the same DNA. Using mice as animal models also allows scientists to perform knockout studies where individual genes can be cut out and the resulting side effects give invaluable insight into which genes are responsible for which functions. It is important to note that by the National Institute of Health's Guide for Care and Use of Laboratory Animals, the mice were not mistreated. But enough about ethics. 
let's get back to forcing the mice to swim. Well, a forced swim test isn't as bad as it sounds. Mice generally don't like swimming, and they'll try to find dry land. A forced swim test measures how quickly the mice give up by how long they stay immobile. Mice are naturally buoyant, so they just float around like little fuzzy bubbles. The longer they're immobile, the more depressed they are. But if valeric acid can decrease the time the mice spend immobile, it's a sign that their stress was reduced. This was done to see if valeric acid had any effect at all. Once they found it did indeed help with stress, they began experiments to discover how. To measure behavioral stress levels, mice were placed in a communication box, a constructed 4x4 grid divided into sets of two rooms, A and B. Mice in room B were given a foot shock to induce physical stress. Mice in room A were exposed to the jumping up, vocalization, and defecation of the mice in room B, therefore providing psychological stress. Well, that's a real shocker. Some mice were given nothing, others 0.5 milligrams per kilogram of valeric acid, and the third group was given a full milligram per kilogram of acid. Mice were tested for 60 minutes a day for three consecutive days. But why did they have to put the mice through this test in the first place? Because there are multiple types of stress, they had to see if valeric acid worked on all of them. Also, you can't stress test a non-stressed mouse. If they're just chilling out in the back of the lab, valeric acid wouldn't be able to do anything. After the test period, the amygdala and hippocampus of each mouse was harvested, frozen, shattered, and then centrifuged, spun around super fast to separate things, to create a mush that the researchers could analyze to discover levels of serotonin and norepinephrine metabolites. The researchers then used a device called a high-pressure liquid chromatograph to shine a laser at the mush and cause it to fluoresce, emitting light signals. The scientists were able to measure the intensity of these light signals to quantify the concentration of neurotransmitter and metabolite levels in the mush. Friggin' lasers. Basically, they shot a laser at the brain mush, and that told a computer how much neurotransmitter and metabolite there was. As it turns out, at around a 0.5 to 1 milligram per kilogram dose of valeric acid, the researchers saw a 25% decrease in corticosterone levels in the mice, aka a 25% decrease in physical stress, and a 30 to 40% decrease in immobilization time, aka behavioral stress, which indicated that the mice were less stressed throughout the test. On a metabolic level, the results were also very promising. To find out the normal level of stress, the researchers looked at the levels of norepinephrine and its metabolite, MHPGSO4, and control mice that didn't receive any valeric acid or undergo any stressful events. So, the lucky ones. The lucky ones, yes, and the control group. Mice subjected to either physical or psychological stress had an almost 50% decrease in norepinephrine as compared to the control, while metabolite levels jumped to a whopping 270%. This gave a final ratio of metabolite to norepinephrine of 470% of the control. And all those numbers mean... what? They grew a second head and went on a rampage through Tokyo? Not quite. Basically, stress caused norepinephrine levels to drop and metabolite levels to rise. This meant that more norepinephrine was being used, but the brain could not produce enough neurotransmitter to match the stress-induced increase. Conversely, valeric acid mice were somewhat protected from a stress-induced drop in norepinephrine, only losing about 25% of their norepinephrine, even though their metabolite levels jumped just as high. Valeric acid stimulated enough norepinephrine to compensate for and reduce the stress response. Valeric acid helped the mice's brains produce more norepinephrine and thus more feel-good neurotransmitter signals, reducing the stress response the experiment produced. 
In essence, while valeric acid didn't significantly change the amount of metabolite produced, it left the mice with a much higher baseline level of norepinephrine, indicating they were less stressed. The same story does not hold true for serotonin, however. While the researchers saw a jump in 5-HIAA levels, aka serotonin's metabolite, in mice subjected to stress, the level of serotonin itself did not change regardless of the presence of valeric acid. I.e., valeric acid was not able to increase serotonin levels to counteract the stress. So the ratio of metabolite to neurotransmitter went up as compared to the control after stress, but valeric acid had no effect on reducing this ratio. Essentially, while valeric acid is effective at protecting norepinephrine from degradation, it can't do anything for serotonin. The bottom line is, valerian can somewhat help stress by increasing norepinephrine levels in the brain when subjected to psychological stress. It's a healthier alternative to some other sedative-based cures, and it's not cocaine. Be happy, take valerian, see you next time on the Cheeky Bastard's Guide to Science. Club Court is produced by a multidisciplinary team of students at UNC Asheville, with sound engineering support by undergraduate Kat Sawyer. Jessica Fox, a UNCA graduate, wrote our theme music. Special thanks to the UNCA Video Production and Media Design Lab for their help with this project, and thank you for listening. You can find show notes, including episode credits and links to the research discussed in this episode at clubcore.com episodes. If you like this episode, please share, subscribe, and review. And if you have a question you'd like us to explore, drop us a line. You can find me, Angel Core, on all the socials at Club Core. We'd love to tell your science stories so we can all get it less wrong. Until next time!